0: Hi, I'm Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And I'm Father Gregory Pine. And you're listening to the Catholic Classics Podcast, where we seek to grow our prayer lives by learning from the church's greatest saints and teachers. Spiritual reading can be challenging for many Catholics, so this podcast is here to help. Each season, we'll read through a great work, unpack its timeless wisdom, and encourage you with practical tips for the pursuit of holiness. The Catholic Classics Podcast is brought to you by Ascension. This season, we're reading Ascension's edition of Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. To get your copy of the book and download the reading plan for this season, visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics or text intro to 33777. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app. This is Day 8. Today, we'll be reading Part 2, Instructions for Elevating the Soul to God Through Prayer and the Sacraments, chapters 4 through 8, pages 119 through 129 in the Ascension edition of the book. Before we get into the reading, a quick look at what we're covering today. In these chapters, St. Francis continues to lead us through the process of entering into prayer, specifically meditation. In the last episode, we began to prepare to pray by putting ourselves in the presence of God, a theme that we were introduced to in part one and that St. Francis brings back up for us here in part two. In this episode, we'll continue to look at our preparatory steps for prayer, uh, specifically how our imagination, our affect, um, our emotions fit into the picture, and also by returning to this idea of resolutions, making commitments to act, to live the devout life. Finally, the the last point that St. Francis brings up for us is of particular importance because, as we've been talking about, we've been encouraged to move from aspiration to action in the devout life. And this includes our life of prayer, to make resolutions and to act. So before we get into the reading, let's say a quick prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grant us grace, O merciful God, to desire ardently all that is pleasing to Thee to examine it prudently, to acknowledge it truthfully, and to accomplish it perfectly, for the praise and glory of thy name. Amen. Chapter 4. The Second Point of Preparation. How to Propose a Mystery for Consideration. Now, after these two general points of preparation, there is a third, though it is not useful for all cases of meditation. Some call it a kind of fabrication of the place, and others a kind of interior reading. It involves representing to your imagination the subject of the mystery on which you desire to meditate, as though it really were taking place in your presence. For example, if you will be meditating on our Lord upon the cross, imagine yourself on Mount Calvary, and that you see and hear all that was done and said on the day of the Passion. Or, equally useful, to the same end, imagine our Lord's crucifixion is taking place, just as the evangelists described it, in the very place where you are. Observe this same method when you meditate on death or hell or other such mysteries that are concerned with visible and sensible objects. However, for other mysteries such as the greatness of God, the excellence of virtue, the ultimate end for which we were created, all of which are invisible, we must not make use of these kind of imaginings. Granted, we can make use of some likeness or metaphor to help us consider them. However, these are somewhat difficult to find, and I wish only to instruct you in so plain and easy a manner that your spirit may not be wearied through the task of inventing such things. By means of this kind of imagining, we confine our mind within the mystery on which we mean to meditate, preventing it from wandering about here and there, just as we shut up a bird in a cage or rather as a falconer tethers a hawk with straps so that she may rest on his hand. Nonetheless, some will say it is better to purely think these things in faith, simply grasping the mysteries in a wholly mental and spiritual manner when we represent them to ourselves, or to consider what is being brought about through grace in your own spirit. However, this is too subtle a method for beginners. Therefore, until it pleases God to raise you higher, I advise you, O Philothea, to remain in the lowly valley I have shown you. Chapter 5. The Second Part of Meditation. Considerations. After the work of imagining, there follows the work of the understanding, which we call meditation. It simply involves framing one or more considerations so as to stir up our affections to God and heavenly things. Hence, meditation differs from study and other reflections and considerations, which do not directly aim at acquiring virtue and the love of God, but rather exist for other ends and intentions, for example, to become learned or to write or to dispute about such matters. Thus, as I already said, having confined your spirit within the bounds of the subject on which you desire to meditate, either by way of imagination in the case of mysteries that involve objects of sensation, or by merely proposing the mystery in the case of those that do not, then begin to fashion considerations regarding it. Examples of this can be found in the meditations I provided earlier. However, if your spirit discovers enough delight, illumination, and fruit in any one of such considerations, stop there immediately, like a bee that does not leave its flower so long as it can suck any honey from it. However, if after some time of turning over a given consideration in your mind, you do not discover something, then pass on to another. However, do all this calmly and simply without rushing along. Chapter 6. The Third Part of Meditation AFFECTIONS AND RESOLUTIONS Meditation produces within our will or affective part of the soul various pious movements, love of God and our neighbor, desire for paradise and eternal glory, zeal for the salvation of souls, imitation of the life of our Lord, compassion, admiration, joy, fear of God's displeasure, of judgment and of hell, hatred for sin, confidence in the goodness and mercy of God, sorrow for the sins of our past life, in these affections, our spirit should open itself and pour out its substance to the utmost of its power. If you need assistance in this, hold in hand the first volume of Andre de Capilla's Meditations, in particular the Preface, where he shows how to dilate one's affections, and more fully read Francisco Arias's Treatise on Prayer. You must not, however, Philothea, stop short of these general affections, but instead must push on and concentrate them in specific particular resolutions for your own correction and amendment. For example, the first word our Lord spoke on the cross will surely rouse your soul to imitate him, leading you to the desire to pardon your enemies and love them. However, I warn you that this will be of little use if you do not add it to a particular resolution akin to the following. Well then, from now on, I will no longer be offended at annoying words that this or that person— a friend or a neighbor a servant or someone in my care may say about me nor be resentful concerning some way that a given person might offend me on the contrary i will say and do this or that so as to win him over and soften his heart by these means my dear Philothea, you will quickly amend your faults whereas more general affections will lead you there slowly and with difficulty chapter seven on the conclusion and the spiritual bouquet Finally, we must conclude our meditation by way of three acts, which we must perform with the greatest possible humility. First, we must make an act of thanksgiving, giving thanks to God for the affections and resolutions which he has given us and for his goodness and mercy, which we have found in the mystery that has been the subject of our meditation. The second is an act of oblation, by which we offer to God his own goodness and mercy, the death, the blood, and the virtues of his Son, together with our own affections and resolutions. The third is an act of supplication and petition, by which we pray to God and beseech Him to grant us the graces and virtues of His Son, and to bestow His blessing upon our affections and resolutions, so that we might be able to faithfully put them into practice. We then pray the same things for the Church, our pastors, relatives, friends, and others imploring the Mother of God, the angels and saints, to be of aid here. And finally, as I already have noted, you should conclude with an Our Father and a Hail Mary, which are general and necessary prayers to be offered by any believers. To all this, I also added that you must gather for yourself a little bouquet of devotion, for someone who has been walking in a beautiful garden does not readily depart without gathering four or five flowers to keep and smell the whole day after. So too, when our spirit has been pouring forth on some mystery, we should select one, two or three points that have been most pleasant and which are most conducive for our growth that day, so that we may think about them frequently, spiritually smelling them, as it were, for the rest of the day. You should do this in the place where you have been meditating, taking pleasure in it while there, or while walking alone for a bit thereafter. Chapter 8 Some Very Useful Advice Regarding Meditation Above all else, my dear Philothea, when you go forth from your meditation, you must, as the occasion offers it throughout the day, remember the resolutions you have made, so that you may guarantee that you put them into practice that very day. This is the great fruit of meditation, without which it is not only unprofitable, but frequently harmful. For when we meditate on the virtues without practicing them, our spirits and confidence often become puffed up, leading us to imagine ourselves to truly have done what we resolve to do. Now, doubtlessly, this is true when our resolutions are lively and solid. However, how can they be really such instead of being vain and harmful if we do not truly put them into practice? Therefore, we must by all means strive to act on them, seeking out occasions, whether little or great, when we might act on them. For example, if I have resolved to be meek so as to gain the goodwill of those who offend me, then I will seek this very day an opportunity to cross paths with them and speak kind words to them. And if I should not see them, I will at least speak well of them and pray to God on their behalf. As you set forth from this heartfelt prayer, you must take care not to upset your heart, lest you spill the precious balm it has received. That is, you must, if possible, keep silence a little and gently move your heart from prayer to your business, retaining, as long as you can, some feeling of the affection that you have received. As you go forth from your meditation, you must be like someone who has received some precious liqueur in a beautiful porcelain bowl, walking gently as he carries it home, not looking aside, but sometimes looking about the path directly before him, for fear of stumbling on a stone or making a false step, sometimes looking at his bowl to ensure that he is carrying it level. Do not immediately turn your attention to other things, but rather simply look before you. For instance, if you run into anyone with whom you must enter into conversation, this cannot be avoided, and you must accommodate yourself to it, though in such a way that you have an eye upon your heart, so as to guarantee that as little of the liqueur of holy prayer as possible might be spilled. Indeed, you must even accustom yourself to know how to pass from prayer to the occupations that are justly and legitimately required by your vocation and profession, even though they seem ever so distant from the affections you have received in prayer. For example, the lawyer must learn how to pass from prayer to pleading, the merchant to his sales, and the married woman to her duty to her family and to the cares of her household, doing all this with so much gentleness and tranquility that their spirits may not be disturbed. For since both are in accord with god's will we must learn to pass from the one to the other in a spirit of humility and devotion now it may sometimes happen that immediately after your preparation your affection will feel itself aspiring to god in such a case Philothea, you must let loose the reins without worrying about following the method which i have given For although, generally speaking, considerations should precede affections and resolutions, nonetheless, if the Holy Ghost so chooses to give you affections without preliminary considerations, you should not then go back to seek the consideration, since its only use is to excite the affections. In short, whenever affections present themselves, we must welcome them and allow everything to give way to them, whether they come before or after all the considerations." And although I have placed affections after considerations, my reason for doing such was to distinguish more plainly the parts of prayer. Otherwise, it is a general rule never to restrain such affections, but rather always to allow them to have their free course when they present themselves. And this applies not only to the affections, but also the acts of thanksgiving, oblation, and petition that may likewise be part of your considerations, for they must no more be restrained than are your other affections though afterwards, as you conclude your meditation, they must be repeated and taken up again. However, as for resolutions, they are always to be made after the affections, at the end of meditation, before conclusion. For given that we here represent to ourselves particular and familiar objects, they would put us in danger of falling into distraction should we intermingle them with our affections. Amid our affections and resolutions, it is good to converse sometimes with our Lord, sometimes with the angels, and sometimes with the persons represented in the mysteries, speaking to the saints, to ourselves, to our own hearts, to sinners, and even to inanimate creatures, as we see David doing in the Psalms, as well as other saints in their meditations and prayers. Okay, well, one of the main themes that St. Francis is bringing to our attention in these chapters is is the way by which, or the interaction of of prayer of meditation in um, in the devout life with the rest of our lives. That might be a weird way to put it, but to begin to turn our minds to the to the reality that prayer, meditation, mental prayer is not just something we do for a particular time of our day or a particular season, as it were, but involves all of us. And he does so by bringing our attention to the fact that what we're called to do in prayer, uh, one of the first things that St. Francis calls us to do is ask the grace to serve and worship God, to serve and worship God. Again, this draws draw our our focus to the fact that prayer is, is not something that is isolated in our lives, but that is part and parcel of the devout life. Prayer is part of that. So I don't know Father Gregory, do you, what do you what do you think about this? What do you think about sort of the relationship, I don't know, it might be kind of new agey to say kind of like a holistic approach to the spiritual life to the devout life. Um, yeah, you know, how how should we begin to think about this, incorporate the different parts that St. Francis is bringing to the fore for us?
1: Yeah, I think that the past couple episodes during which we discussed what it means to be made to the image of God and how You know our intellect and our will which we're referring to alternately as your mind and your heart Um, those most elevated or dignified aspects of our human life which shape the rest of our human life how that really sets us up to understand what saint francis de sales is describing because i think a lot of times we're tempted to live a partial or a non-holistic christian life and we do this in a variety of ways but one of the ways that we see most often is just uh, like treating ourselves like we were less than human, like treating ourselves like we were robots or or like animals, or even in certain senses, treating ourselves like we're more than human or different than human, which is to say like like angels or like God. Like I think sometimes we think it's enough just to say, all right, I'm doing this bad thing. I'm going to stop doing this bad thing. Boom, resolved, moving on. Or, you know, you see somebody else living a devout Christian life and you're like, hey, that's cool. I'm going to do the same thing. Whereas St. Francis is kind of proposing to us a method of prayer, which appeals to us in our full humanity. He's saying, okay, you know, you're weak, you're wounded, you're fragile, and the resolutions that you make are also fragile. So we started in the last episode with these descriptions of how you're going to set up the time of prayer, how you're going to frame the time of prayer. And here he's describing how we as human beings – can endeavor this act of prayer in a way that's profoundly human. So he says, okay, you're going to use your imagination. You're going to use your mind. You're going to formulate perhaps certain images or perhaps certain thoughts such that they can appeal to you as a human being and kindle the flame of charity in your will while kind of in conversation with your emotions in such a way that it, that it gives rise to certain movements or affections, things like that. So he's saying, all right, you know, conscious of who you are before the Lord, it's good to receive what the Lord gives in His grace so that ultimately it can issue in action. It can issue in, in service of whatever shape or form. Um, so when He sets it up in just those terms, we, we come into a fuller appreciation of the fact of what we are and then what we're made for and how the life of prayer um, is, is for just that. Not for like being integrally human, but for being gods as a human being wholly and entirely.
0: Yeah, I think that that's like that point is well taken because what I was saying, it's not it's not contrary to what you're saying, but what I was sort of drawing attention to was the sort of place of prayer in our life and kind of that um, that it's not just something we do for 15 minutes in the morning and then we the rest doesn't matter. And then we kind of move on. Um, So that part is true. But also what you're saying is true, right? That prayer that about life Also, it not only encompasses the different parts of our life, but the different parts of who we are as human beings, that it's not just like a mental exercise or this or that. It's not just to heal our will. You know, it it includes everything that we are, that God wants everything that we are, body, soul, you know, our, our entirety, the entirety of our lives. Um. Which I don't know might be like an intimidating re- reality that God wants it all, but it's also a beautiful thing that God wants it all. He wants He wants you as a human being, and Saint Francis is 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 I guess trying to acclimate, we could say, our our minds to this. Like it's kind of this is might be a silly image, but it's kind of like when a fish goes into like a new tank, you can't just like dump the fish into the tank. They I, I've had fish when I was little. Other people probably know this far better than I do, but. You have to like let the bag that the fish is in sit in the water to acclimate to the temperature and then add some of the tank water into the bag so that it can acclimate to that. You know, there's like a process of stepping into a new environment for for this animal. Um, and I think so too with us, with the devout life, there's a process of stepping into a life of devotion. And we started that in part one with the ideas of purgation and going to confession and and these sort of things. And now uh, St. Francis is bringing us further along here with prayer and then later in this part with the sacraments the two tools so yeah what you say is you know all of these things feed our life so at the end of yesterday's episode at the end of episode seven we were talking about the first of three points of preparation uh for for mental prayer for meditation and, and that was as you probably remember is putting yourself in the presence of god or as father gregory was saying to recall that god is already present to us which is a really excellent way of thinking about it here in these chapters, we get our second and third. Um, the second is an invocation, calling upon God. And we just talked about that, calling upon God to do what? To have the grace to serve and worship him. The third is thinking of the mystery to meditate upon. upon. And herein, I think, lies, yeah, what do we meditate upon? What is the content of? Of meditation. Remember when we were talking about prayer, we have these distinctions of vocal prayer, meditation, and contemplation for our purposes. But here, meditating on something—what are we to pray about? What what should we think about in prayer? I mean, I don't even know, Father Gregory. Where where do what's a? I mean, I guess I have some ideas, but may you might be thinking I don't even know. So let's talk about it a little bit. Let's see.
1: Yeah, I think um, Christian prayer is always going to be characterized by our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. I think often of that prayer in the context of the Mass where the priest says, through him, with him, and in him. So all Christian prayer is through Christ, with Christ, and in Christ. Uh, So sometimes you'll hear people talk about their experience of Eastern spiritualities. um, And the way they describe it, it's often like, They're trying to clear out space or they're trying to empty themselves of negative emotions or negative associations. So that way they can receive whatever it is that comes. You'll often hear descriptions of this with centering prayer. But in Christian prayer, Christ is always at the center. Right? Christ is always at the center. He took to himself our human nature, so that way salvation would be made more plain to us, more manifest to us, and that we could cling to him more easily, um, more, more dearly, as it were, than before, because he's opened up his sacred heart to us, so that way we can draw forth from its riches. So, when St. Francis de Sales describes the way that we begin our meditations, he'll say, you know, certain times it's going to call for your imagination. When you're thinking about something that's you know, very yeah, very human, and when you're thinking about something that's very close to our experience of reading the sacred scriptures, or perhaps the lives of the saints. You know, great. Other times, then you're going to think about certain characteristics or or properties of God Himself. Like we can think about the fact that that God is one in three which is wild, all right? And we can feed our minds on certain truths of theology. But he says, in those instances, you want to leave images aside. They might be helpful at the start, but then they can kind of get in the way. So shamrocks are great when you're in grade school, but you kind of pass beyond shamrocks to just a consideration of the thing itself. So depending on what you're meditating upon, right, you're going to consider more like imaginatively, or you're going to consider more intellectually, but we always pass through Ah, uh, the sacred humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, one of the things that, like, uh, I guess, uh, a way to approach meditation, whether it's um, or like the topic of meditation, whether it's picking out a scripture verse, whether you're, you know, a good a good practice here is to take the Sunday reading. And meditate upon that for the week. You know the upcoming Sunday gospel. Um, another thing is to use, or another way to find, to figure something out. Um, what do I meditate upon? Is to use the the calendar of the church. You know, so during. The season of lent you might spend time meditating on our lord's passion these sort of things um one thing that i or a way to approach whatever the topic might be um is to think about it in these terms you know what god is god is the great revelator he wants us to know him he wants to reveal himself and he does and in reading the scriptures in reading other you know spiritual works we can always ask two questions that are helpful for meditation what does this reveal about god you know, what am I coming to know about God himself? And then in relation to that, what does this reveal about me? You know, about my humanity and my relationship to God. And we can meditate on on those things. Think about those things with the scriptures, with other certain readings, you know, with whatever it might be. Um, so it doesn't have to be uh, St. Francis's call and the Christian call to, to, to go into mental prayer isn't. We don't have to make it up. You know, we don't have to fabricate it. It doesn't have to be super complicated. Um, But just to think about God, to be with God, to spend time with God. Um, In the end here, St. Francis points out two things that meditation should lead to. One, it should move our will, our desires, our affections, our emotions to do things, to live in a certain way. What is that? Service and worship. To give to our Lord. We can think about the times we were talking about purgation. You know, how do we give ourselves more and more and how do we worship? Well, we're going to talk about the sacraments and the Eucharist and the mass coming up. So stay tuned for that. And St. Francis also counsels that in the end, we should always conclude with a sort of spiritual bouquet or, you know, a Thanksgiving, an oblation, an offering and a petition to God. So there's a way by which to conclude. So if you look at St. Francis has now given us three preparatory steps. We've chatted about what to meditate upon, how to go about it and how to conclude now with St. Francis, I think. All in all of it we need to be you know be patient in developing these habits of prayer uh you know take the time that you need to develop this for yourself so in our final seconds here father gregory any last words on mental prayer and meditation we'll continue to talk about it but at least for for this time around
1: yeah i think that um what saint francis sets forward is a way of moving your heart by contact with holy things so you know i, I live in switzerland and i live in a city that's close to the mountains And um, I like to go hiking on Saturday, but sometimes I need a little bit of motivation because maybe I have some pastoral commitment that'll keep me out late on Friday night. And I have different ways to go about motivating myself. I can just say, you know, Gregory, you sluggard, you just need to set your alarm and do the thing. Or... You know, on Friday afternoon when I take my walk, I can change my route so that way I go to the top of the city and then I can look at the beautiful mountains. And I can be, as it were—I mean, it's kind of like a little silly way to describe it—but I can be like drawn by the mountains. I can be, you know, called by the mountains. Uh, and then it becomes easier for me to set my alarm for the next morning so I can get up and enjoy their splendor. Uh, so I think that what Saint Francis de Sales is encouraging us uh, to do is is to gaze upon the beauty of God and so to be drawn into His life. So it's not just a matter of saying, you know, Gregory, try harder. It's a matter of saying, Wow look at how wonderful is the interior life of god the mysteries of our lord jesus christ the saints whom he has given to us in the tradition etc etc and then as a result finding ourselves gravitating towards the mysteries themselves
0: great there you have it climb the mountain look down what more do you need that's all for today. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, if you'd like to hear some more of our conversations on other subjects, follow, follow up with us and our three brother priests on the podcast, Planning. There you'll find weekly episodes on a variety of Catholic themes with occasional guests, scriptural meditations, special series. You can find Planning with any podcast app on YouTube and at godsplaining.org. As always, know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us, and we'll catch you next time on Catholic Classics. Thank you.